Well, good afternoon and welcome to Renaissance. My name is Chris and it's great to have all of you here today on this bright, sunshiny, not so warm February day. Hopefully Nemo, Nemo, who named it Nemo? Hopefully Nemo wasn't too uh, ferocious uh, for you to deal with. But uh, we are starting this series called The Road. And uh, it's a series we're really excited about because uh, we're just going to be talking about kind of these foundations of kind of your Christian faith, your spiritual journey. And uh, one of the things we just always want to encourage everyone, and it's the same thing for me personally, is just to continue to take those steps spiritually. Just keep moving. And even if you take detours and, and sidesteps and you're not sure which direction to head, just keep moving because when you keep moving, God can help guide you. And so uh, when you think about like a trip, a road trip, vacation, I, what I want you to do is try to think back 30 years ago. Not, not current day like road trip, vacation, because current day you... You, you open your laptop up. It's what my wife and I did a, a few months ago. My wife said, hey, uh, uh, can we get away for you know, a short vacation? She goes, because everyone says uh, February in New Jersey, you have to go somewhere warm. And, uh, and I'm like, man, they're smart people because right now it's February. I'm like, I want to go somewhere warm. And so we flipped open our laptop and it was simple. It was like, where do we want to go? Warm, where? South, Florida, that's warm, great. And we just Booked airline tickets, booked our hotel, booked everything online. It was fast. It was done. And so next Sunday, after the service, I'm going to go home, take a quick nap. That's important after the weekend. And then we're, we're headed off warm. And, uh, and it's all about the destination. Let's get there. Let's get there. Let's get there. And once we're there, we'll do something. Think about 30 years ago what vacation was. No laptops, no internet. I mean, flight, you kind of, you would fly some places, but it was... In the car. My parents had this idea. I was in junior high. They're like, hey, kids, for summer vacation, we're going to go west. We're living in Illinois. And we're like, yay, what, what does that mean? Like, we haven't seen all these states out west, so let's go west. And uh, we're going to spend two weeks in the car going west. We're like, yay. So the morning of vacation, we packed the car, suitcases, my mom had this, uh, this cooler. It was like an Oscar. Do you remember the Oscar coolers? We named it Oscar. It was like Oscar was in the car, and they, they fit it between my sister and I. I thought it was because it was the only place in the car. Later to find out, no, it's to separate my sister uh, and myself from fighting. And so the snacks were in the car, and, and we didn't have any iPhones or iPads or any other electronic devices to occupy our time. We didn't have DVD players in the car. We had do you remember the road trip bingo cards? <laughs> yeah, right? It's one of those things where if you saw a silo, you're like, silo, and you can mark it off, another sign. And so we had the road trip bingo cards, and we had uh, the car Yahtzee game. We're like, Yahtzee, how do you play? I don't know, but let's try to figure it out. We piled in the car. My dad backed out of the driveway, uh, driveway for this two-week road trip adventure out west, and guess what? We didn't even put on our seatbelts. Remember those days? Like, oh, seatbelts? We don't need seatbelts. Who wears seatbelts? And we headed to Colorado. Oh, the Colorado, the great state of Colorado. But here's the issue. 
my dad kept on talking about, hey, Colorado and all the great places we're going to see after we get to Colorado, but we had to go through Nebraska. Have you ever driven through Nebraska? I have nightmares about Nebraska. It never ended, and there's nothing to see, absolutely nothing to see, and we just kept on driving. It's flat. There's not even rolling hills. It's just flat farmland. Finally, we made it to Colorado. We went up to Estes Park and we saw chipmunks. They were really cool, very well-fed chipmunks in Estes Park. And we went up into Yellowstone. And what I remember from Yellowstone was like the water shooting up in the air. And it smelled horrible in Yellowstone. And uh, we, we went to the Grand Tetons. And I was like, wow, more really big mountains. Cool, Dad. And uh, we, went to, uh, uh, we went to Mount Rushmore and this is what I thought. Again, I'm a junior high boy. I'm standing there looking at Mount Rushmore going, man, people are really bored to chisel out faces and rock, you know? Okay, now what? where are we going? And then we went to this place called the Grotto, and I had no idea what that was. I still don't. And then we went to a place called Wall Drug. And have you ever been to Wall Drug? One person, that's what I thought. Only one, don't go. Uh, I think it's like where Walmart started, or they think, I don't know. But uh, we sat down, we ate at Wall Drug. It was like, oh, we're here, kids. And we're like, oh, it's Wall Drug. And my dad ate a bison burger. I'm like, dad, what's that? He's like, it's buffalo. I'm like, that's disgusting. And uh, at that point, uh, we're two weeks into this road trip. And uh, my dad goes, okay, kids, you have one of two options. Uh, We're going to let you pick. First option is we can go white water rafting, which sounds amazing, but not after you spend two weeks in a car. And, and we're like, okay, what's option two? My dad's like, we can go home. And we're like, home, please, take us home. But you know what I remember about that road trip? Man, the things we got to see. The time we got to spend together in the car, the time talking, the time sharing, the time uh, 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 just experiencing so many different really cool places in this country. It's one of my favorite vacations, and we've had great vacations, because that one, yeah, it was a lot of time in the car. But you see, it wasn't about one destination. It was about the journey. It's about the journey. And that's for you Spiritually. So many times we we want to get to a place where we can check off the box. For some of you, vacation isn't even about vacation. Vacation is about getting there, checking off the box that you went on vacation to get back home. But in your spiritual journey, God just says, hey, 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 you got this life here on on this earth. Who knows how long that's going to be, but you got this life. Enjoy the journey. Don't worry about the destination. Just go on this journey. The first thing my mom did when we pulled out of that driveway on that two-week road trip vacation. It was, again, before GPS. She pulled out, and maybe you had one of these, mammoth-sized atlases. Remember those? Like there's no place to really store it in your car, so it always got shuffled around. She opened that thing up, and that guided us along the way. I mean, if we didn't have our, uh, my mom there, we would have been lost. She would tell us where the next rest stop is, and she'd say, hey, kids, Cross your legs, hold on until we get to the rest stop. She'd tell us, hey, don't drink too much because it's 100 miles until the next one. So pace yourself. My mom would take a nap. And then my dad would take a wrong turn. My mom would wake up and say, well, honey, I told you. And he's like, oh, I didn't know. And then they would have a lively discussion for the next two days. 
But the atlas, that guided us. If we didn't have that, we'd been so lost. If we didn't pay attention to that, we wouldn't have ended up anywhere. We've been just wandering. And we see the Bible as kind of your roadmap, your GPS on your spiritual journey. It's that thing that will help guide you to know God and to know what God wants from you and for you. So what's it about? And so we're just going to look at today how the Bible can help guide you on your spiritual journey. Now, here's what I know. You know, sometimes it's real simple. As you go west, as you drive west, especially as you go way west to like Utah and Las Vegas, Nevada, and some of those desert states, it's real simple. It's built on a grid. Roads go north, south, east, west. It's simple. You can see for miles and miles and miles, you know exactly where you're going. You just have to watch the sun. And you're like, I want to go that way. But as you come east, it's a different story, isn't it? Especially when you get to states like, I don't know, Jersey. None of the roads go north, south, east, or west. You want to go west? You will go north and south and east before you ever get west. You just, you, you just can't look and say, I want to go there, because you never know where that road's going to take you. And sometimes, as you enter into new states, there's new road signs, right? Every state's so different. Some states, you can only go 55 miles an hour. Some states, you can go 65 miles an hour. You get into Utah, you can go 70, 75 miles an hour. Plus, you can add on a few miles. You're going 80 or 90. It's amazing how uh, quickly you can get to places. You make your way into New Jersey, and not only are the, the roads winding everywhere, you, you want to go left, but sometimes you have to go right to go left. Does that make sense? Now, If you grew up here, you're like, of course that makes sense. That's just how New Jersey is. For everyone else who's moved into the state, we try to find our way around New Jersey, and there's this thing called a jug handle, and we're like, what does that mean? And how, I want to get there, but I can't get there. I got to go there to get there? Or I have to go down five miles to come back to get over? I just, it's right there. I could park my car, get out of my car on the road, and walk over and get there faster than going down and trying to go right. This week, I started kind of uh, just doing some research because the creative team were like, hey, week one, we're going to call it jug handle. I'm like, that's awesome. I'll tell you how this fits in in a moment. So I started reading, and I went to Wikipedia and started reading about the history of jug handles, and, and I came to this. The first mention of jug handles in the New York Times is on June 14, 1959, referring to jug handles having been built on US 46 in Montville, U.S. 22, yes, between North Plainfield and Boundbrook and and Route 35 at Mammoth Park Racetrack. But this is the part I love. By the beginning of 1960, okay, New Jersey had 160 jug handles. 
most, if not all, standard before-ender section jug handles. I learned there's three different types, if you don't know that. There's three different types of jug handles, but there's also a reverse jug handle. So I'm like, okay, so there's three types plus the reverse. Does that make there are four different types, or does the reverse jug handle mean that it's not a jug handle? Who knows? <laughs> the 160th one was on U.S. Route 1 between New Brunswick and Trenton. So this week, I'm, I'm just researching because I'm like, who came up with this idea, this great, creative road structure to go right, to go left? Like, who came up with this? And so uh, as I was bounce, bouncing through some articles, there's an article written this week, this, this week, and this is what it said, taking on the Jersey left. There's a state senator right now trying to ban New Jersey from ever uh, constructing another jug handle again. He's like, it's enough, no more. And yeah, you can clap. Like, no more, we don't need any more, we have enough already. Then, on the same day, so I'm reading all of this, I'm on Wikipedia, I'm reading this article, then I get this text from my wife. She's out running errands, and by the way, let me say, I asked her permission. I get this text, she goes, I loathe the 22 GPS has me going to the wrong spot. It's like the GPS hates 22 too. And by the way, here's full confession. I just want you guys to know, uh, we understand uh, that you don't say the 22. We get that. We've embraced that. Uh, we're we're uh, in rehab right now to remove the from all highways and roadways because uh, every state west of Jersey will say the 22. And, uh, and by the way, I, 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 I've worked on, it's not route, it's route. I think one service I said route 22, and I'm like, oh no, it's route. Anyway, it's just, you know, it's one of those deals. So I just want you to know we're, we're in rehab right now for our use of the before uh, 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 roads around here. But uh, like, it was just this moment. So I called her and I said, hey, honey, what's going on? She goes, I, I put in the address and it has me going in all these different directions and I just need to get to this one store. So I looked it up. So I told her how to get there and she texted me later and she was like, no, really? When the GPS can't figure out Jersey roads, there's an issue. But sometimes, here's what I know. You know, I, I can easily say that the, the Bible should be your roadmap. The Bible should be your GPS. The Bible should help uh, you on your spiritual journey. And there's so many moments in the Bible where that's really easy and simple to follow. But there's other moments in the Bible where you'll read a verse, you'll come to a passage, you'll come to an entire book. And it feels more like this. Do you know those moments? Someone last night came up to me, and this is from Wikipedia. And she goes, do you know where they took that, that, that picture? I'm like, No. And this is not going to surprise anyone. She goes, that's right by my house, right off 22. And I want to put the there. Right off 22. And she goes, I know where that's, those signs are. And have you found yourself, you're driving, and you're going 55 miles an hour, and you come up to this intersection, and you're like, ah! What am I supposed to do? What sign am I supposed to read? Which way am I supposed to go? Oh, wait, it's Jersey. I, I should do the opposite of what I intuitively want to do. So I'm going to follow it that way to go that way. And so many times in the Bible, we find ourselves coming into these moments in the Bible. It's like, oh, which way? And what's it really trying to say? And what's it really 
means and what, what were they talking about culturally back then and this word, what does it mean now and all of those things. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. And here's what I want you to know. The Bible must be your roadmap. Even though those times where you come into these parts of the Bible, and it's, it's a challenge. I find myself coming into these parts of the Bible that it, it challenges me. But don't shut your Bible or don't turn off your Bible. Don't stop. And later on, I'm going to share with you just some of the ways I study the Bible and how I get through those moments. But make your way through it. The Bible must guide you. needs to guide you. It needs to be a part of your spiritual journey. I want you to read the Bible. We call the Bible a book. The Bible is so much more than just a book. It's this amazing collection of ancient documents written over a span of 1,500 years. The earliest dates back to about 1400 BC, written by a guy named Moses. And you know the amazing part of the story of Moses as he writes these earliest ancient manuscripts. He was raised in Pharaoh's house. Think about the education Moses had. He wasn't some common peasant He was raised in Pharaoh's house. Royalty. He had the best education. And God used him. And then you go into some of Paul's writings that are dated somewhere between 67, 68 AD. And you start thinking about who Paul was. Paul studied underneath one of the the most elite rabbis of his time. He had some of the best education. And God took a hold of his heart and said, Paul, I want to use you. And so we look at this 1,500-year time span, 40 different authors, 66 different books, all telling one story, one storyline. There's even a 400-year gap between what we call the Old Testament and the New Testament. And when the New Testament starts back up, it's like there's no time missing. It just starts right back up into the same storyline. One storyline. God's redemptive plan for his creation. It's the storyline of the Bible. The Bible's filled with worship songs. It's filled with books of wisdom. You think about the book of of Proverbs. Just take a few of those verses and try to apply them to your lives. It'll change your life. The Bible's filled with with history. It's filled with, with, with intrigue and deception and lying and sibling rivalry and sex. It just reflects humanity. And again, God's redemptive plan for his creation. I understand that some of you sit there right now and you're just, 
in your spiritual journey, you haven't quite got your arms around, you know, the Bible. And maybe you're feeling right now like this, this feeling or you're thinking to yourself, well, I just don't know if, I don't know if I believe in the Bible. I would just push back a little bit and say, well, what part? Because it's so easy to take the entire Bible and just kind of wrap around, well, I just don't know if I believe in it, but is it all of it? Do you not believe in the Psalms? I mean, they're, they're songs written by various different people. Do you not believe in what the Proverbs say? Do you not believe in Moses? Do you not believe in this man named Jesus who walked on this earth? Whether or not you believe he's the son of God or not, like, do you not believe in him? Do you not, like, what parts of it? And I would challenge you is just start making your way through parts of it. That's part of the journey. And maybe you start reading through Psalms and you kind of start getting your arms around what those words mean. Or Proverbs. But just don't put the blanket statement around it. Because it's so much more than just a book. Paul in 2 Timothy, he says this. He says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. I mean, God-breathed is literally these two Greek words, God and breath. That the Bible is God-inspired, God-spoken, God-directed, God-written. And 2 Peter talks about the prophets, how the prophets were just human beings guided by the Holy Spirit to speak the words that they spoke. The Bible is inspired, directed, written through mankind, through human beings, God's words. But then he goes on, he says, and it's useful. The Bible is filled with just practical wisdom to help us live our lives. And Paul breaks it down to four very specific areas. The first one is this, useful for teaching how to live a Christian life, how to know God and to follow God. You you could attach words like theology or doctrine to it, but it's more than just that. It's truly about knowing God and saying, God, I want to know you more and know what you want for me and from me. It's useful for that. Paul goes on and he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, He says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. He goes on in verse 3. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. One of the reasons that we use the Bible, and we use it a lot here at Renaissance, is we want the Bible to guide us. Because it's so easy to get into people's opinion and what they think, that at times, many times, is contrary to what the Bible says. Because the Bible will hit nerves within us. It just will. I understand there's, there's weekends that some of you might leave thinking to yourself, ah, yeah, I don't like what Chris said. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I agree with Chris. And it's why I come back to saying it's not what I say, it's what the Bible says. 
what the Bible says. So let's jump into the Bible. Let's dig into the Bible. When someone comes to me and says, well, I'm not sure about what you said, I, I will always point back to, well, let's get back into the Bible. What does the Bible say? And let's wrestle through that. That's great. Let's ask questions. There's many different areas where you can go to different parts of the Bible and try to get a holistic view on what the Bible's talking about on a specific subject. That's great. But we don't want to be a church that just talks about the things where people's uh, itching ears want to hear. The other thing I would say to all of you, in Acts chapter 17, listen to this. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character, and that doesn't mean that they were royalty. It just means that they were eager to learn. They were eager to ask questions. They wanted to go and, and learn and discover themselves than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Think about that, that received and examined, received and examined. They would sit there and listen and listen and listen, and then they would go back and they would study themselves because they wanted to learn, they wanted to grow, they wanted to know. But it was more specifically than just that, to see if what Paul said, And I would just say to all of you this, put my name there to see if what Chris says is true. Or if you're listening to someone else preach or teach, or you're reading another book, or you're listening and watching something online. I spend 30 plus hours a week preparing for this 30 minute message. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and guess what I'm going to think about? Next weekend. Why? The weekend always comes. But here's what I want you to know. I come in as prepared as I can. There's so much content I leave on the editing floor, so to speak, that I just can't fit in. I'll do everything I can to make sure that everything I teach on this stage is accurate. But guess what? I'm a human being. I'm a human being. I want you to always go back. I want you to receive, and I want you to examine. If I say something that hits hits a nerve, go examine it. Use the Bible. If I say something that raises a question mark, great, go back. Email me. Come up to me afterwards. Ask questions. We'll go to the Bible. But that needs to be part of your rhythm. Paul goes on in 2 Timothy. He says, for teaching, rebuking, and correcting And I love that he put these two words together because rebuking literally means to point out your sin, point out the areas that you're doing wrong. And that feels like, oh, that hurts. I don't think I like when people point out what I'm doing wrong. But the word rebuking literally means with the heart to correct. Have you ever worked for someone or known someone and they're great with pointing out all the flaws, everything you're doing wrong, but they never have any wisdom or any insight how to do it differently? Right, you just bang your head against the wall. And what's awesome about the Bible is there to point out those areas, the, those areas where you're outside of God's guardrails, but also teaches you how to correct that and why you should. Two weeks ago, we talked about forgiveness. Why? We need to forgive. If we don't forgive, bitterness grows in our heart. And once bitterness starts growing in your heart, it will take over from the inside out. And so God says, hey, you extend forgiveness. Why? Because you understand what 
what God has extended to you personally. So extend forgiveness, because if you don't, bitterness grows, and it will consume you. So the Bible is there, and that's why it hits nerves sometimes. And that's why when someone comes up to me and says, I don't think, uh, I think what you said is accurate, or I don't think I believe in what you say, I, I say, well, let's go to the Bible, and let's wrestle through the Bible. Not what I say, what the Bible says. Let's wrestle through that. I'm great with that. And then he ends by saying, and training in righteousness. That idea of training is about that we can live a better life here on this earth for the months and years that we get to live on this earth. That the Bible is this amazing resource to help us grow and deepen and change. If you're married, the Bible is this amazing resource for your marriage. Husbands, let me just direct this thought at you. Wives, don't elbow your husband in five seconds. You know what the Bible says to you, husbands? To serve your wife. Think about that thought. Think about if you would just serve, again, wives, no, no elbows. If you would serve your wife more, what would happen in your marriage? I discovered this a few years ago. And one of the things my wife... Uh, uh, it was just one of those things that she w- wanted me to help her with. I didn't think it was important. She thought it was important. It's going to sound maybe trivial to you, but in our marriage, it was a thing. She wanted me to help make the bed. I'm like, what? Why make the bed? I'm going to get in it a few hours later. Right? There's no, that's not good time management. Right? Don't make the bed. But for her, she wants the house put together. And I fought it and fought it because I was like, I just thought it was stupid to make the bed. And also one day I realized by serving my wife, I make the bed. And when I started to make the bed, oh man. And it wasn't about the bed. It had nothing to do with the bed. It had everything to do with me starting to serve my wife. And it started to change our marriage. I don't get it right all the time. Ask her, she will tell you where I've gotten it wrong. If you're a parent in here, the Bible's a great tool to help you parent. In relationships, it's a great tool within your relationships. I mean, you can go through the Bible, spend some time in Proverbs, great wisdom. If you're a leader, study Nehemiah. It's one of the best leadership books uh, I've ever read. I'm talking all the secular ones that I've read hundreds of. The book of Nehemiah, go there. But the Bible's there to train And specifically, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So today I wanted to take a couple moments. And I just wanted to share with you uh, kind of how I share or how I study. And kind of what I do in my just daily rhythm when it comes to the Bible. The first thing I would encourage all of you to do is to pick out a translation that fits you. Uh, Maybe you grew up uh, reading the King James Version. Maybe you still do now. Maybe you like it. That's great. Uh, Maybe you you just feel like you have to, but it's a difficult version to sometimes make your way through. I mean, it sounds beautiful reading out loud, but sometimes you're like, I'm just not sure what they're saying. So there's a couple versions I just highly recommend to you. The first one is the New American Standard Version, and it's the NASB, and it's a word-by-word translation. 
And uh, uh, let me back up and say this. Uh, in a few moments, I'm going to tell you where you're, everything I'm sharing with you, you're going to be able to get online. How's that? Uh, so we've saved you some time. Uh, so just so, so you know that we'll make this all available to you right now. But uh, so the NASB is one of those word-for-word translations. And it's probably the closest to the original language uh, that you can get without jumping into the, the Hebrew, the Aramaic, or the, the Greek. And so uh, that's, that's one version. Uh, another one that's very close to the NASB is the ESV. Maybe you've heard of that. Maybe you use that. Great translations. Not as easy to read or get through, but they're great translations. The one we use here is the NIV. And uh, the NIV is a word-by-word translation, but what they've also done with the NIV is kind of done a word-by-word and a phrase-by-phrase approach or thought-by-thought approach. And so it just smooths out uh, how the Bible reads and is in more of our modern-day English. And that's why we use it here. And so I just want to show uh, quickly, I took Psalms 119, and this is how the NASP reads. With all my heart I have sought you, Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. And then we move in the NIV, and you can just tell there's just nuances to to how it reads and the words they use. I seek you with all my heart. Do not not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so either one of these, I would just say, these are great translations. Another one I would just want to point out is called the message. And the message is this paraphrase. I wouldn't use it as your study Bible, but it's a great resource because it just approaches uh, the Bible instead of word by word. It's more thought by big thought. Like, what's the overarching thought? And I'm going to just write in a creative way. And so Eugene Peterson uh, uh, took a crack at it. And uh, this is how he wrote Psalms 119. I'm single-minded minded in my pursuit of you. Don't let me miss the road signs. Like how that fits in? The road signs you've posted. I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't send myself bankrupt. Just another great way to approach the same verse. Again, I wouldn't use the message as my study Bible, but there's times I bounce into it because it just has another unique way, creative way to word this. So I I would encourage you to Find a translation that you're comfortable with, that you like, that you can read. And then I would say to you is uh, download version. And uh, we've been talking about version. version. I just read uh, 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 the last service. I read that uh, it's been downloaded over 75 million times right now. Think about that. But you can get all of these translations and many more. It's in different languages. You can sign up for an account. You can take notes on it. There's reading plans. It's interactive. And what's amazing is whether you have iOS or Android or BlackBerry, uh, iPads, whatever, it goes with you. You have your entire Bible right with you or right with you or on your laptop. And so use that. We're launching today, Uversion Live. And every weekend, you're going to be able to bring up Uversion Live. And I'll give you the link in a moment. And guess what? All the main passages I use, and some that I don't. You'll find one on there today that I just didn't have time to get to. But we're going to include that in there. All the resources I talk about in a message will be included in there. So if you're like, hey, what was that book? Or what was that link? Or what was that resource? It's going to be part of Version Live. And so you'll be able to follow along with the message on your, 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 your phone. Hopefully not text messaging or watching a movie in church, but following along on your phone. 
And so we're launching that live now. I also uh, follow other teachers. Because I don't really get to go to church. Sounds weird. But I I mean, I'm in four services a weekend. That's a lot. But I don't get to sit and and myself. And so there's four different uh, 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 preachers I follow online. Uh, One guy's named Tim Keller. He's in the city at Redeemer Prez. Uh, John Piper's another one, Andy Stanley, Matt Channel, and Mark Driscoll, and we'll provide those links for you. But uh, these are the people I go to. Doctrinally, they are extremely sound. They approach Scripture uh, in a vast different way. Some of them you might like, uh, some of them you might not like. That's okay. Find people that you kind of relate with, but also find people that are a little different than you because they'll approach Scripture in a whole different way. And so those are some ways. I also... Uh, I'm always looking for people myself. I'm always asking questions. Clay's on staff with us, and he's our spiritual formation pastor, and I'm on the phone with Clay multiple times a week, going, hey, Clay, I read this. What, about, what, what do you think? Hey, Clay, I read this and read this. How do you bring those two verses together? Hey, Clay, I was struggling through this, and so much of the content never even makes it into here. But I'm always talking to different people, having different conversations as I continue to grow in my knowledge of God and what God wants from me and for me. So here's what we want to do. I could pray right now and say, have a great week. Make sure you do these things. Um, But we want to give you a few moments right now. Why? Because as soon as we say amen, you're going to run out of here and think about lunch and kids. And so we want to maximize your time. So here's the thing. There's five simple things we just want you to do. Grab your smartphone right now. You can do this right now. Phones in churches are a great thing unless they ring out loud. Um, Not like that ever happens. Uh, Grab your smartphone if you're not sure what a smartphone is. A smartphone does not flip down. So if you have one that flips, if you have to hit uh, uh, one number three times to get the letter C, it's not a smartphone. But uh, here's what we want to do. Download the YouVersion app. If you haven't done that, download it. Grab it. It's, It's a great Carry your Bible everywhere you go. It's there. Bookmark renaissancechurch.org. You can find on there, all of our messages are now on video. And so you can, on your mobile device, you could watch, if you miss it, if you're traveling, if you're in work, if you're just sleeping in, don't sleep in. If you're sleeping in, you can watch our messages online. And so you can get there that way. I mentioned YouVersion Live. So if you go to renaissancechurch.org backslash YouVersion, all these notes, all the links from the five uh, preachers that I follow are on YouVersion Live. You can sign up for the road email on YouVersion Live. Walk into church next, next weekend and just bring it up on your smart device. Bring it up. You can look ahead. You don't go, oh, and you can say, oh, Chris missed that. That's great. I love that. But all those resources we want to have in your fingertips. Why? Because we want you in the Bible. We want you growing. It's your roadmap. And the last one is subscribe to our podcast. So right now, uh, seriously, get out. We're going to give you about 90 seconds. Start bookmarking these. Start writing them down. Get this done. And then Michael's going to come up and he's going to close out the service. But here, here's the thought. Allow the Bible to guide your life. It will help you know God more and know what God wants from you.